Shut up and sit down. There we go. Episode 51 coming at you. This is the quiet part loud. My name is Daryl. I'm your host as always. And thanks for joining us. Good to have you here. Welcome back or uh, welcome if it's your first time. Uh, appreciate the feedback and the uh, the engagement with the last episode. There were some things that we talked about on there that were great. Um, and uh, and I'm, I'm glad to see some of the feedback coming coming our way. It's good to engage with you guys. Um, and it's good to see that you're uh, that you're tuning in. So here we go again. Um, just off the bat, if I sound, sound a bit different, it's because I've just come back from uh, the dentist uh, this morning, and the lidocaine that they gave me to numb everything has now worn off, but has left me in some sort of pain that I wasn't expecting, and I really don't understand what the hell is going on with. Uh, with the dentist that I'm actually seeing because truth be told, they told, they said to me, you need a root canal. And I was like, okay, cool. Let's get it done. And they're like, all right, cool. Come back this time next week or, you know, the week after whatever it was and we'll get it done. I was like, okay, cool. But it was only like half an hour. And they're like, well, that's all it takes half hour, 40 minutes or something like that. I was like, okay, cool. But when they were finished, I was like, okay, cool, is that, and they're like, no, we need to schedule another one, because they only, like, I guess it's like a two-step process, which is fine, but I've now been to the dentist four times, and it's still not complete, and I needed to make another appointment for two weeks' time, but now the problem is, I've been left in all this fucking pain, and I can't talk properly, so if I'm a bit off or a bit flat, you'll know what it is. Um, but I'm just giving you guys a heads up right now. Um, so like I said, episode 51, we're coming at you. And obviously, you know, like I said to you before, guys, we could do one of these every single day. And there would always be new stuff in the world that we live in to talk about that was, you know, worth dipping into a little bit. But we save it for like kind of once a week or, you know, if we're away a little bit longer than that. You know, I try to do sometimes two a week, uh, but it completely depends on the schedule. But you leave it for a week and then you come back and it's like, what the fuck do I actually talk about? And how long, you know, the danger is going too long on these episodes, (laughs) you know, cutting back and keeping them, you know, to a to a duration that you guys are going to be interested in, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, the first thing I want to do is I want to send good thoughts out to Darren Till, who suffered a loss. Um, the Liverpool boy suffered a loss. And if you listen to the show, you know we were hyping him up and we were fully supportive and fully behind him. And he went in there and, you know, he suffered, he suffered a loss uh, to the champion, which is... You know, nothing to hang his head about. You know, he still did a great job getting there. Um, It just wasn't his night. And for the reasons he's explained, I don't need to go into them. But, um, yeah, just hoping he gets back on it and, and, and comes back stronger. You know, all good champions have faced a loss um, of some kind or another. 
and it's the ones that respond to those challenges and to that adversity that will come out and prove you know what what real greatness is and i still have every confidence that darren till is going to be a champ um whether or not it'll be at 170 now is is i guess up for debate he'd be able to tell you better than anybody um but we you know we were fully behind him and that's what you have to do you have to you have to get behind these kids and 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 really show them the support that they deserve and and you know this kid's a massive talent um so i hope he bounces back but you know i shat on this card when i first started talking about till versus woodley and then i came back on the last episode and kind of corrected myself it was a good card jeff neal zabit like there were some good fights um Jessica Andrade, was it Jessica Andrade that fight that fought? Um, had a serious, serious, serious KO of uh, Carolina Kolkevich, um, which was a real shame because I was kind of rooting for Carolina in that fight. But anyways, it was a good card overall. There were some great. We had two uh, like hamstring tearing like type submission leg lock submission victories. It was amazing. It was so good. Um, but now we move on to, you know, Connor versus Khabib because that's coming up in like 20 days. So uh, we'll get into that, but not right now. I want to switch sports slightly and just talk briefly about the um, the incident that happened at the U.S. Open finals in the women's final where Serena Williams, uh, you know, went off, uh, for lack of a better phrase, Um I mean, it's not for lack of, but maybe, you know, choosing my words, um, went off at the ref about a call he made about her receiving coaching. And then there was another one for a racket violation. Um, you know, I don't watch tennis. I don't really care about tennis too much. But when it comes into the realm of her protest being delivered how it was, to then switch that protest into some sort of um, attack on her gender and to create this narrative of, you know, this massive double standard in tennis. I mean, do we get anywhere doing that? I, I just don't understand what we get from doing that. You know, legitimacy of female tennis is not questioned, you know, um, do men freak out? Yep. Do they get told off about it? Yep. What's the severity? I don't know because I don't do a comparison on tennis tennis outburst. Do you know what I mean? Like, what are we doing here? Like for like on every time a woman's had a freak out versus every time a man's had a freak out? Like, oh, um, some men take their shirts off in between sets, but there was outrage. There was an outrage when a woman, uh, a female tennis player took her shirt off. Like her tits weren't hanging out. There was no fucking outrage. But we blow these things up into massive, massive um, society killers and world killers. Like it doesn't need to be all that. Because it's not all that. The thing for me with the Serena Williams outburst was a couple of things. One, I think she handled it completely unprofessionally. She was throwing her toys out of the pram because of her stature and her position in tennis more than anything. And then flipped it around like, 
I would never cheat in my life. I'm a mother. I am everything I do is for my daughter. Okay. Then how come you didn't have more self-control when put in a pressurized situation that was uncomfortable and not going your way? This has nothing to do with gender. This is nothing to do with men versus women, how we rate their outbursts, how we judge their outbursts. I'm asking her based, I'm asking based on her outburst and the things that she said in that outburst. I'm asking how that is a good representation of actually what she was saying her argument was. I'm, you know, I've never cheated in my life. Everything I do is for my daughter. I would never let me, her see me, you know, lying or, or whatever the fuck she said. Okay, well, would you let her see you being enraged, irrational, and completely juvenile in the way you behave in front of thousands of people? I'm just asking because she says she does everything for her daughter and she would never cheat. Right? And then she demands an apology, right? Because an umpire made a call, made a call, and then she launched into this tirade. And then she says, I'm not, you're never gonna ref another one of my matches again. So she threatens his livelihood. A person at the top of their game or at the top of a sport, maybe not the top of her game anymore, but at the top of a sport, at the pinnacle of a sport, you know, arguably one of the greatest athletes in any sport of all time has a complete meltdown and then threatens a guy's livelihood, threaten the ref's livelihood the umpire's livelihood, whatever you call them, officials. Like, I don't understand how that's professional. And I don't understand how her behavior towards a ref has turned around into a, into a, a conflated argument about the disparate, the disparities in tennis. I really don't. It's, I mean, I can, you know, I can, I can put some thoughts out there for sure. I know why, but it just loses the point because the second thing that bothers me about this thing is that the headlines around the U.S. Open finals were not about the young 20 year old uh, girl that beat her idol who beat one of the greatest sports people of all time to win a, a major the headlines weren't about this young lady. They were about this freakout. And not only were they about this freakout, they were about how this freakout is sexist against Serena Williams. So it's like a threefold clusterfuck of missing the point. We should be celebrating this young lady who has done something tremendous. We should, and is definitely, you know, if she stays healthy, then, uh, you know, part of the next generation of... of um, of U.S. female tennis players. But it ignores the fact that Serena acted completely unprofessionally, should have had way more, more decorum as a top professional. 
And the fact that the sexist part of it doesn't have anything to do with the freakout. It was only because Serena Williams brought it up. Oh, you wouldn't treat me this way if I was a man. You wouldn't be giving me points off if I was a man. Again, can we do a side-by-side comparison? Because I don't fucking know. I just know that this ref made a call as an official. And there has to be a proper way of challenging something that has to do with that kind of call. Again, I don't know the the intricacies of tennis. But... I would imagine there's a way of appealing or something like that, but it doesn't matter because she lost anyways. So we need to be celebrating this young lady that beat her. We need to be addressing the fact that Serena freaked out because the ref made a call that she didn't like, took particular offense to it, threw her child into it, made it about her motherhood, then made it about her gender and then threatened to have the guy boycotted from her matches or or, or, or removed from any uh, potential officiating that he would do again, you know, in one of her matches. So what the fuck, man? Why is the headline the sexism of tennis? And now moving on, getting even more irrational, the racism that still exists in sports journalism because there was a cartoon drawn uh, that, you know, was a caricature of Serena Williams throwing a tantrum. You know, it didn't look good, but I don't know. I don't know. It was a caricature. Like, we need to fucking relax. But I think we've missed the mark on what we need to be paying attention to in this in this particular situation because the young lady has accomplished something amazing and I don't even know her name but she should be a household name after doing something like that after all of the other shit holding her nerve together we need to be addressing the fact that Serena made the argument about something that the argument wasn't supposed to be about that then brought this to a wider audience of people who frankly just want to complain about whatever they can complain about. If there's something to complain about, whether it's, you know, people on the progressive left or, you know, these, these, these others that are just trying to pander because they have no social identity. I just think we're missing a trick on this. Um, because the sexism part of it, the racism part of it, the part that are two least likely things in this situation are being talked about the most. And I don't, I don't think that's right. I don't think that's right. So I just wanted to bring it up because it's, it's similar to like, the Elon Musk and the Joe Rogan interview, right? I don't know if you guys saw that, but it was an amazing, you know, two and a half hours or whatever it was of, you know, a very awkward genius, a very socially awkward genius talking to, you know, a guy who has one of the biggest audiences in the entire world. And they dug into some stuff. I think Joe missed a trick on a couple of points, but 
you know, who, who the fuck am I to tell him how to interview Elon Musk? You know, he's been, he's done over 1200 podcasts. I've done 51, you know, he's interviewed everybody. I've interviewed nobody. So I'm not, I'm not, you know, casting judgment on that, but I'm just saying, you know, there were a couple of things that I looked at that to me, he just, he could have went a different way or he could have shut up and let Elon keep talking because it was clear that the cadence of Elon's responses were going to be spread out for lack of a better word. Um, but again, it's a, it's like the Serena thing, right? We're missing the point because when the mainstream media outlets get a hold of these stories or get a hold of things that happen within an event, they focus on what their current agenda is only and they miss the wider point. And I just demonstrated some of that in terms of my, my thoughts around the Serena Williams controversy. But with the Elon Musk and the Joe Rogan controversy, which there is a little bit of, it's more of a pathetic kind of attempt to just create and stir up some bullshit. But the mainstream media outlets cover the fact that Elon Musk smoked a joint and that has created an outrage and a, and a worry in the stockholders of Tesla and it caused the stock to fall 9%. I mean... It's this kind of shit that, that puts me on a really, really, it's, I'm on a knife edge the way I think about the media sometimes. Um, you know, it's this kind of bullshit that they bring up that makes me think you're nothing better than a fucking reality television show half of the time. There are spots and characters within these organizations that do have integrity, but for the most part, these fucking people are just clickbait cunts that don't even have a right to call themselves journalists. Um, you know, they're like, what is Elon doing? He's, he's smoking a joint and is Tesla in trouble? Is the Elon Musk empire failing? Is he cracking? Like drinking whiskey and smoking pot. Oh my God, this must be the end of Elon Musk. Like fucking just garbage garbage I've seen on this you know even a comedy show like The Daily Show with Trevor Noah even he pandered to the fucking uh to the to the to the old stereotype that uh stoners don't get anything done and you know it's just it's such an outdated way of thinking if you think like that you're holding the whole thing back and you probably don't have much experience about what you're actually talking about. Because it doesn't make you unproductive. If you're an unproductive person, you are unproductive when you smoke weed. It's as simple as that. Okay? Don't tell me I'm unproductive when I get up at 4.45 in the morning, go and do an hour and a half workout five days a week, then go to a job that's nine to five where I manage a team of people, um, oversee projects, you know, run an ad tech arm of the business, then find time to personal train clients outside of that nine to five and also squeezing in a podcast at least once a week. Please don't tell me that pot smoking equals unproduct uh, being unproductive. Because it just simply does not, it does not line up, right? And you get a two and a half hour um, conversation with one of the one of the best and most prolific interviewers that we have, 
you know, doing interviews outside of the mainstream media. We have a pair of cult personalities, one that has this audience, which I just mentioned, the other, which is a, you know, a savant creator, engineer, designer, you know, builder who is doing nothing but trying to make the world a better place. Albeit he's got, you know, some sketchy spots on his record, you know, calling these calling one of the, the, the UK divers a pedo, um, you know, some of the relationships that he's had with with people, you know, some of his uh, tantrums and some of the uh, idiosyncrasies and and hardships about having to work for him. He's apparently a horrible boss. But nevertheless, he is trying to solve the energy crisis the transportation crisis, the colonization of, or the, I should say the, the, um, the, what do you want to call it? The consumption of the world that we currently inhabits natural resources problem, right? So he's trying to get us, um, into space, interplanetary travel. But while we're working on that, let's try to make energy free, uh, transport free, um, you know, Let's relinquish our our oral fixation with fossil fuels. Let's get off that tit and let's do something else is what this man is trying to do with every waking hour of his life, basically. He talks about some amazing things, some scary possibilities. The, the man is a fucking savant, okay? Is he an asshole? Most probably. Most probably because people of that level usually are. Or people on the spectrum who are incredibly socially awkward can oftentimes be. Right? But you have all of this content. This two and a half hours of content. Sometimes it doesn't flow very good. But when it does, it gets into some deep shit. And there are some very interesting things that are discussed. But the media outlets across the globe... Focus on nothing but a two-minute exchange where he takes a couple of puffs from a blunt. And this causes international worry, concern. He got a text on the show saying, what are you doing smoking weed? Who cares? He's a grown-ass man. One of the most complex brains on the planet doing more for society than... 99.9% of people could even fathom or imagine doing for society. He's turning housing, he's turning roofing tiles into solar panels for fuck's sakes. He's building tunnels under the ground to get rid of congestion and pollution. He's making electric cars so we can stop drilling the earth of a very finite resource and pumping it into the air so it poisons us. This is what he's working on, but let's take a two and a half hour conversation and let's focus on the five minutes where he took a couple drags off a joint. Are you fucking kidding me? This is, equ- this is the equivalent of malpractice in journalism, in my opinion. This is how you fill your airwaves. You don't focus on the fact that Elon Musk thinks that, you know, Neuralink is going to be the inevitable um, 
evolution of where humans go or some sort of an interface, direct interface into the internet. And that's how we will transition. You know, these sorts of conversations, the fact that he thinks that it's absolutely plausible that we can recolonize Mars and has a plan to do it. The fact that he knows that tunnels are, you know, to a degree earthquake proof and is designing a transport system not only to cut pollution, cut congestion, but also increase the amount of people that can travel at one time. I mean, but we, let's talk about him smoking a blunt, right? Get the fuck out of here. The media focuses on a five-minute segment because they got five-minute segments. Long-form content and proper nuanced discussions take two, three hours sometimes. And you know there's an appetite for long-form discussion because over 10 million people have watched that podcast now, listened to that podcast now, downloaded that podcast now. Joe Rogan gets a hun- over 120 million downloads per month. Okay? That's 1.4 billion downloads per year. So CNN, ABC, NBC, Fox News, whoever else you can think of, BBC, Sky, whoever else you can think of, they barely touch him. If you combine their audiences, they might have a chance of coming somewhere close to the amount of traffic that he gets. The BBC is a British institution and takes something like 60% of the internet traffic or 60% of all the monthly active users um, in the UK, which is a huge amount, okay? Joe Rogan in a month reaches more people than the entire BBC does. Long-form content is absolutely in demand, is absolutely... um, sought after by more and more people every day and I think the thirst and the appetite for long-form discussion and nuanced conversations is growing exponentially and with that you can you can dissect things and you can uncover things and you can discover things and you can find out if something's true or untrue or details that may not have been discussed in a seven-minute clip or a seven-minute argument on CNN or Fox News where talking heads are there to promote their own agenda and not to listen to each other, you know? But you got you got the opportunity to sit in front of the television or listen via your um, via iTunes um, to, you know, one of the smartest minds we have on the planet now or arguably ever, and we focus on that. I'm just saying, it's what we choose to look at, how we choose to digest information, and what we ch- what we hold true is important versus not. And just to disrupt <coughs> someone's stock prices to have a story to tell by bringing up something that is by all accounts viewed as by the conservative conservative audience as still taboo 
just to create that disruption is garbage. And like I said, journalistic malpractice in my in my opinion, because it's just you're focusing on garbage. You're focusing on garbage, right? And maybe we stay with this. Maybe we stay with this theme. Maybe we stay with this theme of focusing on the wrong thing, because. My last episode, the last episode that we put out for you guys, is called Obesity is Not Body Positive. And it was in reference to something that we talked about during the show, which was the latest cover model uh, on the front of Cosmopolitan magazine, who is morbidly obese. And it talks about, you know, her being... Uh, body positive and you know the fact that she's got two kids and uh, you know the stress of life and you know all of this stuff and that you know they're basically saying that she should be celebrated for all her hard work and overcoming all of her hardships and things like that and we talked about it on the show the fact that you need to get up you need to move the fact that you know if you were to hold a heart of a healthy person versus her heart next to each other you would be able to definitively tell which was which And the fact that you're obese and okay with it does not mean you have a positive body image. And I can almost guarantee that this woman on the cover of Cosmopolitan does not have a positive body, a positive body image. Now, the editor of Cosmo was on Good Morning um, with Piers Morgan the other day. Farrah Storr, I think her name is. I don't know. She'll be tagged in the Twitter uh, in the tweet about this episode, though. Um, she was on Good Morning with Piers Morgan talking about this, and Piers Morgan was bringing up a very salient point, which uh, you know sometimes pains me to admit, but sometimes he does get it right, and I think on this occasion he did to a degree. Um, he was saying that you cannot say that a woman of this size is healthy. And the fact that you didn't point to the fact that, you know, there is a health issue around someone who is this weight in your article, that was wrong to do. And that you should have addressed it in some way to educate your readers because a lot of your audiences, uh, your, a lot of your audience is young, impressionable, uh, impressionable females. My apologies, guys. My face is a bit fucked up. <laughs> um, part of your audience is young, impressionable, impressionable females, right? So there is a responsibility there from the editor-in-chief of this magazine to ensure that their readers understand that the person on the cover is not healthy. There is nothing saying that this woman doesn't love her body. There is nothing saying that she doesn't have a positive view of her body. There's nothing to say that, right, from all accounts. But I would hazard a guess that she doesn't feel either. Do you know why? Because if you look at the cover of the magazine, her knees are fucking caving in on her. The fat on the top of her legs, on her thighs, down her quads, is hanging over her knee and you cannot see her kneecap. It is indented the other way, right? That, posturally, is not comfortable, okay? She is morbidly obese, 300 pounds, 
And apparently she's five foot two or something like that. That is morbidly obese and a health concern. Just a matter of fact. Okay. Now, my problem here is that this Farah Farah Store character, who's the editor of Cosmopolitan, was more important was was more dead set on being right with her own opinion than admitting an obvious truth. And this is where arguments fail. When you have somebody on one end of the argument who is just categorically unwilling to um, accept that their point of view might have been not all the way correct. Okay? She fought tooth and nail saying she believes that this is fine. This is healthy. She said that. She said that the woman on the cover of the Cosmo magazine, who is five foot two or something like that, 300 pounds, is healthy. This is a person to be taken seriously from a journalistic point of view? We are way past this. This is not a discussion, okay? BMI is not an exact science. No, 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 it's not. But being 300 pounds at five foot three with a body composition like the woman on the cover of that magazine, that is unhealthy. You have to admit that. You can say this woman's been through hell and back and that she should be applauded for her, you know, surviving whatever struggles she's gone through for being a single mom and raising two kids, for sure. So long as you identify the fact that she has a health issue and for the sake of her children, she should do something about it. You have to bring that up. You have to admit that. Because if you don't, you're lying to your readers. You're lying to the, to the young demographic that read your magazine and look at it for advice or guidance or whatever it may be. And not only that, but if you're sitting here and saying that this person is is healthy does healthy just mean whatever you think of yourself because that's perception that's not health health is categorized by certain measurements blood pressure heart rate fat content, mobility, athleticism, diet, all of these things, plus many more, are all markers of health versus unhealth. Unhealth? Unhealthy. This is how we contrast what is healthy and what is not. Right? You break that woman's diet down for me, and I can guess what's not on the list. You know? But my problem here is not with the woman. My problem here is not with that lady. You want to be 300 pounds? That's your choice. You want to be irresponsible like that when you've got two kids? Go ahead. That's, that's completely on you. But... As the editor of a major magazine, 
that has an audience of specifically young girls or younger girls, I think it's incredibly irresponsible for the editor to not mention the health aspect of this woman's life um, in the article or in an editor's note or something. I don't fucking know. But there is a responsibility to the audience to inform them that the person that they are seeing on their cover is not healthy. And this doesn't, doesn't go for this one. Anybody, all of these models that are underweight, it's not just an overweight thing. Yeah, You understand? It's about health. I'm not going after this woman because she's fat. That's her choice. Would I have some advice for her? Particularly because she's got young children and the example that she's setting. From a nutritional point of view, I would absolutely have some advice for her. For her own well-being as well. Because I've personally seen the turnaround in myself and others when you drop the fat workout, exercise, become mobile, become active. You can be jolly fucking Holly St. Nick all day long. But at the end of the day, when you have a body composition like this woman does, there are certain health afflictions that are inevitable. Inevitable. The risk of her having a heart attack goes up something like fucking 70%. You know, she's got kids. So if we want to talk about her being body positive, should not should we not be talking about her kids as well? But again, that's this lady's choice. My problem here is with the magazines perpetrating um, or perpetuating the message. And then the editor, this far store, whatever her name is, comes out on Good Morning Britain uh, when Pierce Morgan is absolutely making a, uh, the, the correct point. She doubles down and says, no, she's healthy. She's healthy. It's embarrassing. It was embarrassing to watch and you could tell from looking at her that she didn't really believe what she was saying. You, that was the worst thing about it. You could tell she was lying just to continue to make her point because she wouldn't say, you know what? We should have. We should have said something. We should have brought it up. And I do admit there are body composition issues here. However, it's not for me to judge how she lives her life. However, I understand because I understand the science around obesity and the fact that we have an epidemic in this country with children especially and young girls that have body images from the age of seven. I understand that there is a responsibility for Cosmopolitan and, and me as the editor-in-chief to say something about body composition, health, nutrition, diet. And if you're not able to speak on it, get professionals in that can. Because leaving it out of the conversation and then doubling down on the fact that you think that you are right in all aspects and that she's healthy and got nothing to worry about and doesn't want to address the, the epidemic that's going on through across this country is irresponsible. It's completely irresponsible. And the worst part about it is she knew. You can tell just by looking at her 
that she just didn't want to concede. She did not want to concede. She was up for an argument no matter what. And in my opinion, she made herself look really, really foolish. Because girls need to know, being underweight is not, is not healthy. Being overweight is not healthy. There is an optimal version of every person. You have to find out what that is and live there as part of your lifestyle that makes you happy. This is not about militancy. This is not about getting up at four o'clock in the morning every morning like Mark Wahlberg does on his Instagram. It's not about that, but it's about being sensible. It's about being healthy. It's about being happy. And it's about optimizing your life. And when, I think her name's Farastor. I'll tag her, I'll find her on Twitter, I'll tag her in this. It's about her responsibility as as she self-proclaimed. You know, she said, I'm a journalist. Okay, well then you need to bring all of the facts to light. If you want to be um, a leader, a thought leader, right? If you want to be an influencer, if you want to show the world that body positivity truly exists, then you have to do it sensibly and you have to do it responsibly. And by you promoting the fact that a woman who is five foot one, five foot two, five foot three, and is over 300 pounds, you're not doing anybody a service. First and foremost, you're not doing yourself a service because you ruin your credibility. Because anybody with the slightest inclination to look either at your cover model or at the science behind health and nutrition and well-being, depression, anxiety, heart disease, diabetes, mobility, arthritis, heart attack, stroke, cancer, dementia, Alzheimer's, everything can be linked back to an increase in probability if you don't look after yourself. This is not about being skinny. This is not about being fat. You live your life how you want to. But as an editor of a publication that reaches some of the younger people, specifically female, in this country, you have an absolute responsibility to give all the details. You absolutely do. And you also have a responsibility not to lie to people just because you're faced with an argument that happens to be opposite of what you think you believe, which let's be honest, really, you don't. Because if you look at the editor-in-chief's body composition, you can tell that she works out. You can tell she watches her diet. You can tell she knows what is healthy and what is not. You can tell. I mean, she's not the most in-shape person in the world. You know? But she definitely knows, she definitely knows what is healthy and what is not. She's not cramming pizza into her mouth four days a week, washing it down with whatever soda. She's not eating crisps and bread and fried foods and frozen foods all the time. She's not eating that. She's not eating chocolate all the time. I fucking guarantee you. I'm not a dietitian and I'm not a nutritionist, but I know enough about this subject and have gone through the transition myself to know what someone does 
and does not eat to look a certain way. And I know for a fact that she was lying on that fucking program. You could see it in her face. You could see it in her face. She just did not want to concede. And that is fucking irresponsible. We have too much of a problem in this country with fast food and junk food and sugar coursing through the veins of our fucking young kids to just brush this off like, yeah, I think she's healthy when you can see right through her. Yeah, I think she's healthy. No, she's not. She might be a great mom. She might be a lovely person. She might be doing everything she can for her kids. She is, maybe, except for she's not looking after herself. Or is it that her livelihood depends on her body composition now because she's kind of married to that now? And because we're in this stupidly progressive society now that says we got to be positive to everybody. We can't say anything negative about anybody or we're bullying them or we're attacking them or we're aggressive towards them. We just have to say, yeah, that's fucking great. That's fucking great. You want to be overweight your whole life and barely walk up the stairs? You want your knees caving in on you and your hips displacing? No problem. You want to increase your risk of heart attack by 70%? No problem. As long as you're happy. As long as you're happy. The problem is they're not. They're not. Because if I could give this woman a pill or a, a magic spell, I'm almost certain she takes it. almost certain she takes it but again it's not about her she's just the subject of this it's about the editor because we have certain objective truths we know what is healthy and what is not and as the editor-in-chief of a magazine that is so widely distributed as cosmopolitan with the dietary epidemic that we have going on and the health epidemic that we have going on we can't have people running these publications like this. They're just pandering to an agenda of who they think their next boost audience is or what, how brand safe they can be because they don't offend anybody. They don't want complaints. Don't send them any complaints. They have to be as PC as possible at all times. Don't send them any complaints because that's their ass because then they're sexist, racist, homophobic, all of the isms and all of the you know all of the bad words that are being constructed for anybody that has an opinion outside of the 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 most pc version of any argument not interested i'm not interested there needs to be a level of integrity with these people talking the mainstream media when we're talking joe rogan and elon musk I'm talking Serena Williams when she's performing in front of thousands of people and she's an icon to millions of young girls. You don't teach them how to throw a temper tantrum. You don't focus on two of the best minds that we have, one of the best broadcasters we have, one of the best builders, creators that we have. Focus on smoking a joint. You have a woman that's on the verge of a fucking heart attack on the, on the cover of a major magazine. You don't focus on the fact that she is definitely healthy. You don't ignore the fact that she's fucking in the top 0.1 percentile of 
people likely to die of diabetes, heart disease, um, cancer, stroke, whatever. You don't brush over that. You don't ignore that. And when faced with that, you don't just brush it to the side because it doesn't fit with your narrative of making headlines because you're so socially aware. Because look at the huge lady that they've put on the front of their magazine in a one piece. It's not gross because she's on the cover in a one piece. It's gross because Cosmopolitan and their editor-in-chief are pandering rather than standing up to with objective truths and addressing issues that actually need to be addressed specifically around the younger part of their demographic but across the spectrum really you know bait and switch time right It's just like the, I mean, it's just like the Woodward book. It's just like the Woodward book with Donald Trump. You know, we have a recording of him saying, oh, I bet it's going to be a bad book. Um, him saying, nobody told me. And then being proven wrong on the audio. Bob Woodward's accounts line up. But Trump and his administration have to keep on deflecting or focusing on something else. You notice that all of a sudden North Korea talks are back on the table and, you know, all of these other things are back on the table. Like, just distraction piece, distraction piece, distraction piece. When the actual fact of the matter is, the whole thing is falling down. It's imploding on itself. My guess the op-ed writer for the New York Times is Kellyanne Conway, Mike Pence, or Sarah Su um, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Sarah Huckabee Sanders, I think. I was leaning towards Kellyanne Conway because I, I heard somebody the other day say she, 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 she. Like they couldn't help it and then corrected themselves when they realized what they'd done. I don't know. I don't know. Um, it's like Obama said, the op-ed's not really the way forward. That's not really helpful. We don't want 90% of the stuff coming through. We don't want you just holding back 10%. Because if the 10% that gets out is what we see, what's the other stuff look like? Or vice versa. People just don't want that instability and the midterms are coming up very, very, very soon. And I think, I think, I think we're going to see a change here. I think, I think America have had enough of this experiment. I think they're ready to, they're ready to change things now. So if you haven't checked out the Bob Woodward book, Fear, I heard it's a doozy. So check it out. But it's just more of the same from these guys. I mean, it's, it's, it's becoming a bit farcical now to even talk about because it's such a joke. Um, it's such an illegitimate pre presidency. It's obviously being run into the ground um, and seems like only a matter of time. I mean, they've got this hurricane barreling towards the East Coast and 
He's like, yeah, get prepared. Better be prepared. We handled Puerto Rico the best it's ever been. Well, no, you didn't, because I just seen a picture on the fucking news of a million water bottles that never got delivered to Puerto Ricans that needed it. The reported death toll is 4,000 or 3,000 now. Like, it's more people than 9-11. And he calls it a resounding success. America's one disaster away from collapse. I'm telling you. They don't respond. You got chaos and riots. You think New Orleans was bad? Wait till you have this cunt at the helm running things through a disaster. It's going to be an absolute shit show. Like the rest of them have been so far. It's going to be an absolute shit show. Um, but yeah, uh, I just, I, I kind of, it's almost farcical now to, to keep covering him. And, and I'm, you know, I'm having this debate with myself as to whether or not I do it all anymore. Um, but I feel like I have to because it's, you don't shy away from absurdity. You shine the light on absurdity. It's, you know, it's the thing we always say about the racists and stuff like that. You have to, you have to shine the light on real racists because if you don't, you let these progressives call anybody a racist that disagrees with them. And then you don't recognize the racist running down the road with a fucking hammer to smack you around the head with, you know? So, I mean, his disapproval rating is now like 60% and it's only going to get worse. And now it seems like he's becoming toxic to the candidates that he supports, um, which is a great sign. Um, I can't wait till they start to disembark, uh, disengage with him. Um, and that's only going to happen if people get out and vote for the midterm elections. So if you are in the States and listening to this, I, I hope you action it. Um, I hope you guys get out there and, and, and start to make the next wave of change because it's, it's needed. It's not just you guys in America that are thirsty for this. We're, we're thirsty for it as well. Just like we're thirsty for Theresa May to get the fuck out of Dodge. I mean, we got a no deal Brexit coming. A no-deal Brexit coming. You want to see what's going to happen to the pound? Just wait. And again, I want to thank all the Middle Englanders and the old people for for putting your vote on this. It was really well thought out, sensible, and um, uh, you know, it's going to have some real great outcomes for the rest of us when we're still around in thirty years. You know. Um, I don't have much to say about this at the moment because I'm, I'm a bit pissed off and I don't want to come at this with a, with a non, with, not with a level head, you know? Uh, but I just think she's incompetent. I think we need a, we need an election like sharpish. Um, she cannot do her job. She cannot do her job. There is fragmentation in the Tory party. You know, there's perceived fragmentation in the Labour party. But at the end of the day, I just think we're, at, we're better now if we go away from her. I've never liked her. I've never thought she's done a good job with anything. I think now it's just inevitable. I mean, we're coming out of Brexit with nothing. Where's our $350 million a week? Where's our trade alliances? Where's our new prosperity? Where the fuck is anything? Where's our medicine coming from? 
How is our trade going to flow with the European trade, with Japanese trade, with China trade, with America trade? We don't have anything lined up. We don't have anything lined up. She's incompetent. She's led us down a rabbit hole. So did David Cameron, obviously, but they've led us down. They've led us down a fucking path here. And it's, um, you know, it's the same with Nigel Farage and it's the same with Boris Johnson. All of these motherfuckers need to be held accountable. All of them. They're, they're, they're sliding us down, down the hill and we are going to land in just a river of shit off the back of this. Um, I hope you guys out there are listening, man. We are going to hit a recession. It's inevitable. We can't go on the way we're going. This is absurd. So the financial uh, analysts and the economists that I read are all saying that this is coming. It's not if, it's when. And so for people who are on a variable rate mortgage, for instance, who rent... Um, who are already food poor, who are already time poor, who are already like, you know, utility poor. It's only going to get worse. And I hate to be like the fucking downer here. And maybe it's the, the drugs the dentist gave me that are still in my system. I don't know. Um, but it's not going to be good because we didn't fix the last one. And now we've got even more incompetence running the world and even more confusion about what's important and what's not. So I just hope you guys get your shit together and, you know, have a little have a little savings put away and have a secure job and are on a fixed term mortgage and, you know, this sort of thing. Like, just get your house in order. It's so important. Um, yeah. Fuck, that's a downer, eh? Sorry, guys. I really fucking shit the bed on this. Um, yeah. Uh, we just need to make some changes, guys. I think uh, I think we're, we're focused on the wrong things at the moment. We need to bring it back around. So um, on that note, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to park this. We're, we're an hour in. So uh, we've covered the topics of the week, so, you know, um, not great this week, I'll be honest, but we'll come back again uh, next week and smash it out. A lot more positive, a lot more, uh, a lot more good things to talk about. I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna park the negative shit for a week, I think, and just go into some other stuff. But we'll see what happens. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not the one that dictates the news and dictates what's going on. So maybe we'll have, you know, fucking 30, 40 people dead because this hurricane's going to smash into America. I don't fucking know. Um, but hopefully something good is happening. But until then. I do want to thank you guys for listening. I want to thank you for your continued support. Um, I appreciate you guys. I appreciate what the fuck. I appreciate you guys. Um, I appreciate the connections on social media. I, I appreciate the the listens you guys are doing and, and and the engagement that we're having. And and I'll I promise, man, we're gonna keep coming at you. Fifty two episodes or fifty one episodes. Um, I know this wasn't the most fluid, but I wanted to get something out to you this week and I won't be able to do it tomorrow. So um, this was the only opportunity I had this week, unfortunately. And it's um, it's Thursday evening. So that gives you kind of a, a an idea of my schedule. Uh, but I'm going to I'm going to keep coming. I'm going to keep coming. We're going to keep doing this thing, keep building this thing. And uh, and I appreciate all you guys that are staying with us and, and listening to each episode and, uh, and engaging with us. So 
this is a quiet part loud. I'm your host, Daryl. As always, it's a pleasure. And uh, until next time, guys, all the best. <laughs>